Welcome to the second episode of Chasing Dublin. We'll talk all about literature in Dublin and celebrate the city that we love and call home. My second guest is PJ, who's associated with Swenny's Pharmacy. So without further ado, let's jump right into it and let him introduce himself. Good morning, Ashira. Uh, my name is PJ Murphy O'Brien, and uh, I work in Swinney's Chemist. Uh, it's in number one Lincoln Place. It's a very old uh, chemist or pharmacy, as the present people would like to call it, but it was always called a chemist. It's been here since 1847, and uh, it's uh, been a functioning chemist until 2009. In February of that year, it closed down. It stayed closed until November of that year, and then we came in. We run it on a voluntary basis, and it's particularly... Um, uh, interesting because it's early Victorian Dublin and the chemists, who were great, all of them who uh, worked here, never changed a thing. When you walk through the door, you're walking into the past and all the fixtures and fittings are exactly as you would have found them then. And um, we even have old prescriptions which are a waiting collection which predate 1903, most of them herbal. Uh, one of the main uh, interests in Swenny's here is that um, Leopold Bloom, one of the characters in Ulysses, Ulysses was written by one of our wonderful writers called James Joyce, who was born in Dublin in 1882 in February, and of course he uh, was born into a very upper class family, being the first of nine children, first of ten children, and of course his father sent him to uh, Clongo's Jesuit-run boarding school for the creme de la creme of young Irish Catholic gentlemen. However, at the, was at the age of six, at the age of nine, his father had invested unwisely, as many of us did during the Celtic Tiger here, and lost uh, all of his money. He couldn't uh, pay the f- final fee, so he took him out, sent him to a lesser school called O'Connell's, run by the Christian Brothers, which was sort of way down this social scale. However, he knew his father was well-connected in Dublin. Uh, he worked... Uh, in a distillery, he also worked in advertising, and he knew the principal of Belvedere College, Father Conmee. Father Conmee knew that this young James was a very bright boy, so he gave him a scholarship to go there. And of course, uh, James is always a bit embarrassed about this because all the other uh, students were quite from well-off families, and of course they could afford to pay the fees where he felt that he was a charity case. And of course, when he finished there, he was given a scholarship to go on to uh, UCD, Newman House, which of course was on the Stevens Green at the time. It's now yeah, a little bit further out on a much bigger campus. Uh, Joyce uh, was very clever, and at the age of 10, he wrote his first short story. It was about Charles Stuart Parnell, and of course, this is uh, one of our uh, disgraced uh, politicians. And uh, of course, he, he talks about Parnell in uh, several of his stories as well. And uh, then in the, his early 20s, he uh, wrote his first uh, uh, book of short stories, which was called Dubliners. Dubliners was very interesting insofar as uh, so many of the characters were recognisable that none of the publishers in Dublin or in England would publish. We were under the English at the time. So we had to take it to the States, and it was published there in 1914. And then two years later, followed by his autobiography, Portrait of the Artist as a Young Man, which traces his growing up, his childhood, until his early 20s. Uh, When he finished uh, UCD, uh, he went to Paris for a very short uh, time to study medicine in École de Médecine. And however, he was called back to Dublin because his mother became gravely ill, and sadly, she died when he was quite young. Um, When he was here, he met a young lady called uh, Nora Barnacle, and gave her a book of his poetry. She worked around the corner from the chemist here in 
what was then known as Finn's Hotel, which is part of Trinity College, and uh, he uh, asked her for a date, and that was on the 10th of um, uh, June in 1904. Um, she, however, couldn't make it, or didn't want to make it, but she stood him up. And uh, then he wasn't to be put off, so he left a letter in for her on the 15th of June, and she agreed to meet him on the 16th. So the 16th of June has become Bloomsday. Bloomsday was the day that Ulysses was set. It's set on one day, starting uh, at 8 o'clock in the morning and continuing right through the day and going through many different uh, parts. Each chapter, 18 of them, represents uh, several places in Dublin in each of the chapters. And of course, it starts out in Stanley Cove in the Martello Tower and it's made uh, Dublin one of the most uh, sought-after places for the whole week uh, around Bloomsday when uh, people have their breakfast including us we have ours in Conway's pub in the book which is now Kennedy's and we recreate the breakfast in uh, Calypso chapter 4 Amazing and uh, would you tell me more about how you're um, affiliated with Sweeney's and your history with it? Well my history with Sweeney's is um, I studied literature and I studied Joyce of course and I studied French literature and uh, we also do uh, Joyce Ulysses in five languages uh, if you come at the weekend say Saturday we do Portuguese and uh, French on Sunday we do German and uh, Italian and then on Tuesday we uh, devote uh, two to three to Spanish um, my background is, I've always been interested in our uh, Dublin I'm a Dubliner I was born here and uh, I like the idea of preserving something that uh, was about to disappear. So um, I started this uh, 10 years ago in November of this year. And of course, we had no money. Uh, we still don't get funding from anyone. And I had to find a way to actually pay the landlord and uh, uh, have him let us stay here, which I managed to do. But I did this with the help of all our volunteers. So we have students from uh, many parts of the world. And we also have readings uh, of Joyce every day. And uh, we host little events, so we have students who come and read, um, especially the Italians who study uh, Dubliners uh, in, in their uh, second level, and they come and they read Evelyn, and uh, we could have groups of, say, 15, 20, 25, and each one will read a few sentences, and then I usually get them to sing for me, so the place is uh, kind of a party place as well. That's amazing. And um, so my next question would be, how do you see Dublin changed since what Joyce has written about? I was part of Joyce's Dublin insofar as uh, I was a child in the 50s. So I remember going to my grandparents' house where we didn't have electricity and uh, we had oil lamps and uh, we had an open fire and all the cooking was done over that. And then uh, coming into the 60s, Dublin was changing very, very much and uh, it, it was becoming more modern. In fact, we never saw anyone who was uh, not Irish in Dublin at that stage. And uh, so it was an awakening of other cultures and uh, the people who went away, uh, were, most of them went to, em they emigrated because uh, Dublin was quite poor. And uh, of course, Joyce uh, would have been one of these people as well because he went to Paris in his 20s and never came back, bringing his wife and his two children were born in Trieste. Um, I saw uh, the advent then of uh, telephones. Uh, only one, say, family in uh, a district. I grew up on a dairy farm and uh, maybe there were two telephones in the whole area. So if you wanted to make a phone call, you went to the uh, house where they had a phone and uh, you paid your money and you used uh, the, the, the phone and that was it. And then gradually um, high tech started creeping in and then 
Dublin it was changing and many of the old buildings were disappearing as well and they were building uh, modern, uh, very modern buildings and uh, we had two more or less struggle in the late 60s, 70s to prevent some of them from being uh, taken down like the old Georgian houses and uh, so there were sort of demonstrations but luckily enough many of them were preserved and the ones that went well they went and there was nothing we could do about it. So. And what are your associations with literature in Dublin would you say? Well, I'm very fond of Joyce, particularly, um, because that's my field. Uh, my field is retail and uh, literature. Um, I did my degree in retail, hence, uh, when I came in here, I knew how to make money and how to, uh, you know, uh, present things that people would be interested in buying and also connected with Joyce. So we sell Joyce's books. We sell the lemon soap, which is in Chapter 5. And, of course, uh, now we have a wonderful T-shirt designed by one of our volunteers, a young student who is he's 20, and uh, he's studying literature. So he took all the different uh, sections of uh, Ulysses and even uh, apart from the last story in Dubliners and put them on the T-shirt. So um, it's quite successful. That sounds so great. And uh, is there anything that you definitely suggest our listeners do related to Dublin other than come to Sweeney's? Well, I think that Dublin is a very precious place and uh, many Dubliners, um, they hear about the interesting places from tourists, but they don't actually explore them themselves. So I would say uh, go and spend a day and going around your Dublin and uh, finding out all the, the wonderful things we have and all the wonderful things on uh, offer and uh, also to be proud to be Dubliners and to uh, enjoy the Dublin as it is. Dublin is a capital, but it's more like a village. And if you live here, invariably you meet someone you know when you go out. But there are so many uh, lovely places. We have the old, and when the Normans came in here in 1170, uh, most of our buildings were made of wood, including Christchurch Cathedral and St. Patrick's. They were all uh, built in stone by their masons who came from Bristol in the south of England. And they even have, uh, uh, their patron saint was uh, St. Werberg. They have uh, Werberg Street where they built their own church. And then, of course, you have the most wonderful fish and chip shop opposite there as well, where you can buy fish bites uh, for less than five pounds, five euros. And then, of course, you can eat them outside. There's no facility to sit down and have them there. But you can bring them over and sit beside the old wall that's around the Dublin, and you can uh, just walk around that area. It's like walking in, in the past. Uh, and then, of course, you've got St. Odin's Church, which is again um, uh, uh, was built in the 1000s. And there's even a wishing stone in there. If you put your hand on it, you make a wish, and the wish may come true. <laughs> that sounds great. That's a little insight that I even I didn't know about. <laughs> so, thank you so much for talking to us. And is there anything else you'd like to add? that you want people to know about Joyce or Well, Sweeney. I would say uh, if you want to read Ulysses or Finnegan's Wake, which people consider the easy one, uh, Finnegan's Wake is a book that has 59 languages in it, um, many of them written phonetically. So the way to read uh, both Ulysses and Finnegan's Wake is allowed because it's full of uh, music, it's full of uh, magic, but um, because so many of uh, so much of the language is written phonetically, unless you hear it uh, aloud, uh, it tends to disappear. So um, also read it with a group of friends, because when you hear different accents and different intonations reading uh, Joyce, uh, it just uh, dances and, and floats and uh, does everything that you would want a book to do. Sounds great. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us today and giving us your time. And great pleasure, Ashmira. Thank you so much. And we'll catch you next week with the next episode of Chasing Dublin.